0: Welcome to the podcast of First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a welcoming and progressive Unitarian Universalist congregation deeply committed to love and justice. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Good morning.
1: It's so good to be here together today. Despite what the order of service says, I am not Jen Crow. I am Julica Herman de La Fuente, and it's good that I get to sub in at the last moment because that's what we do. We're and we're on a team, so I'm really glad to be here with you this morning. And I'm really glad to be serving in this congregation. Right from the beginning, when I started hearing your welcoming and your mission every week, I was like, yeah. These are my people, because here at the First Universalist Church of Minneapolis, we believe in the transforming power of love and hope. We believe in giving, receiving, and growing together. We have spiritual practices like listening deeply to where love is calling us next, welcoming, affirming, and protecting the light in each human heart, acting for justice with humility, courage, and compassion. We do all of this as a faith community committed to ending oppression in all of its forms and building the beloved community of liberation, joy, and belonging for us all. It is so great to be a part of the community committed to that. If you are new to this community, welcome. There are many different ways to get more familiar. You can check out the virtual order of service. You can check out our website for those of you online. You can also sign up to receive our weekly newsletter to learn more. You can join us on Wednesday evenings for meditations. And you can join us here on Sunday mornings at nine and 11 a.m. in person and at 11 a.m. online. And if you are here in person today, here in the sanctuary, really glad you're here. And it bears remembering that in this time of COVID, we're taking extra care as we gather in community. So if you or someone in your house is sick, we ask you to stay home. And please let us know how we can support you so that we can send our care and connect you to our caring system. Reverend Karen and Reverend Jen are both home just for that reason today. If you do gather with us in person, I'm gonna remind us that we are expected that everyone who is here in person is fully vaccinated if they are eligible and able to be. I'm gonna ask you to wear your mask fully, nose and mouth the entire time you're in the building, unless you're here in the pulpit or taking a really quick bite or sip of something. Please maintain spaces between household groups and please ask each other for consent before you move in for a hug. So just a little more attention to our spacing, our relationship with each other, that's really helpful. And I know this is the hardest one. Please allow the worship leaders to sing for you. We're not singing in the in the pews just yet. Now, I do have a couple more announcements to share with you. First of all, if you're here in the sanctuary, looky over there, you see those microphones hanging over the choir space? Yee! Yeah, and over there, and over there, some cameras. And if you're in the balcony, you have new speakers, probably you can hear us better. Woohoo! yeah. So slowly but surely, more and more of the things are being installed. John was telling me that this microphone is gonna get replaced really soon. <laughs> it's all really good. We are happy. We are happy that our systems are helping us be even more welcoming and accessible. And this beautiful building is just becoming even more beautiful each time. Speaking of beauty, I very strongly invite you, if you are in the building, to come down to the social hall. And if you're with us online and you happen to come through during the week, please come through the social hall so that you can see the beautiful quilts that Carolyn Liebler is sharing with us because we have art back up again yay that's really it's really beauty and joy are important they sustain us they're so good so come on down and look at the beautiful quilts make sure you read the stories they're really great and and it's just i don't know i i'm very fond of fabric myself so i could i could get a little carried away but anyway thank you to the visual arts team for making this happen and thank you carolyn for sharing your gifts with us. Carolyn will be in the social hall to answer questions and to receive your appreciation. So make sure you come and share some love. And now Isabel Quast is going to make another announcement.
2: My name is Isabel Quast, and I'm the newest member of the foundation board here at church. Do you know of a nonprofit doing work within our community that you would like to support or think needs more support? The Foundation Board here at First Universalist Church is currently soliciting nominations of organizations that address racial justice, climate justice, and human rights. First Universalist Foundation acts as a catalyst for social change by promoting and supporting the development of emerging leaders, youth, young adults and or disenfranchised communities through monetary grants in nonprofits working within those communities. Historically, the Foundation Board has given out grants totaling $150,000 annually with individual nonprofits receiving anywhere from five to $20,000. As you know, that's a huge difference to a local nonprofit. The First Universalist Foundation Board is currently accepting nominations Um, nomination submission forms through Friday, January 28th of this month. From First Universalist congregants and senior high youth in the church, one person must submit a nomination backed by two co-signers. Nominee organizations that are selected will then be sent out a grant application. If you would like to nominate a nonprofit, please find the submission form on the church website under the giving tab, thanks.
1: And last, but not at all least, we want to take a moment to recognize our memorial service team. The team as a whole, and especially Janet Merrill, who is stepping down from playing a leadership and coordinating role, but will continue to be available for individual services. The rest of the team of CORE folks includes Margaret Berg, Lisa Sinclair, Roberta Haskin, Colleen Cavill, and Martha Scott Johnson. They help coordinate the ministry of a long list of people who help with memorial services in so many ways, from setting up the social hall and the sanctuary, ushering and greeting at the service, baking cookies and bars, and all of the other behind the scene roles to help a service come together and to help everything happen smoothly and in a way that reflects the care of this church it's such an important ministry please join me in acknowledging them and thanking them and yes we are actively recruiting folks for this important ministry if you would like to serve on the memorial service team please talk to Arif As we gather and get ready for worship, we also remember that the land that we live on here in Minneapolis holds the stories of generations, stories of suffering and resilience, the pain of genocide and stolen land and lives. We renew our commitment to learning and telling the multiple stories of this land and our shared history and to creating a present and a future of love and justice for all. Let us help our bodies get ready with three intentional breaths together.
3: Mm.
4: The words for our call to worship come from the poet Joy Harjo, who writes, we are essentially a field of stories, each intricately connected. Death does not sever the connection, rather the story Expands as it continues unwinding interdimensionally. We are all here to serve each other. We gather this morning in our unwinding interdimensionality to honor the stories that we carry and to lift up in community those who we have lost this year. Come. Let us worship together. And I invite Will and Alice to lead us in our covenant and lighting our chalice.
5: Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. It's our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to speak the truth and love and to help one another.
6: This morning's story is about the Buddha and the mustard seed medicine. And it's a story about a wisdom teacher who lived a long, long time ago. And in this time, a terrible thing happened. A terrible thing that happens still. A young mother named Kisa had a little child, and he died. Kisa was grief-stricken and heartbroken. She couldn't believe her beloved son had died. Children do not usually die before their parents do, and she was not anywhere near ready. And so, in her grief, Kisa carried her dead child to all her neighbors asking them for medicine that would bring him back to life. The people knew that the boy was dead and that no medicine would help him, but they didn't know what to say to Kisa. At last, one of her kind neighbors told her gently, I do not have any medicine to help your child, but I know a healer who might. Why don't you go and talk to the Buddha?" And so Kisa did. The Buddha saw Kisa's sadness, and it touched him deeply. And so he said to her, I I think I can help you, Kisa. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. First, you need to find a house whose family has never been touched by death, a family who has never experienced a loss like that, and ask them to give you mustard seeds from their kitchen. Then you'll bring me the mustard seeds from those houses, and with those, I'll create a medicine to help you. So all day, Kisa traveled from house to house, and she said to each neighbor, I need mustard seeds from a family that has never experienced loss. Will you give me some mustard seeds, please? The Buddha needs them to make a medicine for my son. And every generous neighbor answered, you can have all our mustard seeds if they will help you, but we have had a family member die. You see, every family had lost someone Whether a child or an auntie, a father, a friend, a grandparent, Kisa could not find a single house that had not experienced loss and grief. At last she realized everyone has experienced death in one way or another. With this new understanding, her grief began to change. She returned to the Buddha and confessed, I can't find a single mustard seed from a family that hasn't experienced loss. And he said to her, Kisa, we cannot avoid dying. All living beings must die, whether they reach old age or not. While well, her grief did not go away, Kisa's grief did continue to change. She realized that loss happens to everyone. And she realized the medicine that in community, with good neighbors, with wisdom to guide us, with friends who can sit with us, we can find our way through grief. This story reminds us that we are never truly alone with our loss. The realities of life and death, of love, of losing, these are threads that connect us all. Our Remembrance Sunday ritual makes those threads visible.
3: It's now time for a religious education. So, um, please, young people, make your way to your religious education classes. If you need help finding your way, Lauren will be in the rear of the sanctuary to help you and some other people to direct you. Have fun, learn a lot, and come back and tell somebody about it. Return again, return again, Soul return again.
7: Reading is a poem by Naomi Shihab Nye called Kindness. Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things. Feel the future dissolve in a moment like salt in a weakened broth. What you held in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, all this must go so you know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. How you ride and ride, thinking the bus will never stop. The passengers eating maize and chicken will stare out the window forever. Before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, you must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you, how he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak to it till your voice catches the thread of all sorrows, and you see the size of the cloth, then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore, only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out into the day to gaze at bread, only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it is I you have been looking for, and then goes with you everywhere, like a shadow or a friend.
4: It is a human and holy thing to love what we can lose. A loved one, a dream, a hope. On this Remembrance Sunday, we begin by naming loss in our lives. These years since we last gathered for this service have seen loss of all kinds. Later in this service, we'll name the people in the congregation who died, lighting candles for them and for those beyond the congregation whose deaths we hold in sacred community this day. But we know that since we last gathered for this service in person, two years have passed. Two years in which we have lost so much. People, yes, but the pandemic has taken so much more and much of it in such complicated ways. This space, this congregation can hold all of it. And so in a few moments, I will invite you to name something that you've lost this past year. It could be a loved one, a family member or friend. It could be a friendship, a pet, a dream you invested your heart in. It might be a marriage or faith in our civic institutions. It could be ambiguous loss. So give yourself a moment to bring this loss to mind and hold it tenderly. So often, we hold our losses alone when they are the very thing that connects us with others. So if you are comfortable doing so, I invite you to turn to someone sitting next to you to introduce yourself and to share with them something you've lost in the past year. If you'd prefer not to share it out loud, you are welcome to visit the altar to my right where you can take a stone, speak to it the loss that you would like to hold in community this day, and then place the stone in the vessel of water, allowing the sacred water of our community to hold your loss in its embrace. If you're online, I invite you to type into the chat the loss that you would like to share in community this day. You can share as much or as little as you'd like, and you can, of course, indicate that you'd rather not share by simply placing a hand over your heart and rest in this space. So bring to mind something that felt permanent and is now gone, and then turn to someone near you to share briefly what it is that you lost, share it in the chat, or visit the altar to my right, treating this time and this exchange as something sacred. We light our first candle for impermanence in honest recognition that nothing lasts forever, that things are always changing. If you carry deep grief and sadness today, know that this will not last forever. If your cup is overflowing with joy, know that this too will not last forever. As Octavia Butler, African-American novelist writes, the only lasting truth is change. God is change. We light this candle in recognition of this holy thing to love what death and loss can touch, knowing that impermanence is the nature of being.
3: Blessed Spirit, drive help me live with dignity let me know serenity fill me with a vision. clear my mind of fear and confusion when my thoughts flow restlessly.
1: as we go deeper into a time of prayer together I invite you to join me with three more intentional breaths.
5: Uh. Hmm.
1: We contain multitudes the poets tell us joy and woe are woven fine a broken heart breaks not just for pain but breaks open with gratitude tenderness love and care together we can hold it all and there are some places that we must travel some experiences We must learn to carry ourselves. And sometimes we need to let the weight shift until it settles. All of this is true, all of these metaphors, all of these mysteries. The heart opening and the heart breaking. And so we pause in the midst of it all. To know ourselves held in the unrelenting, ever-turning cycles of life. The gifts of darkness and light. The sureness of the sun coming up and the freezing of the falls. Here, in the midst of the turning, for ourselves and our community. And our hearts are also with all of those living with illness and fear and worry right now. For parents and children. For teachers and bus drivers and school administrators and lunchroom monitors. For nurses and custodians. Techs and doctors. For all those who are caring for others for all those who are exhausted from caring for others. We send them our love and our care. We hold them in our hearts. I invite you to connect to that which helps you stay grounded, steady. I invite you to take a moment of quiet to name in your heart the joys that help you stay grateful and the sorrows that are easier to carry when we acknowledge that things are hard. And if you're online and you would like to share those joys and sorrows in the chat, please do so. Let us stretch our senses out to the things outside of us that help us when things are hard and that remind us that things will be better. In this space of connection, together we pray, may the grip of addiction be loosened. May the weight of oppression be lightened. May joy break through May truth be told, and may love make every suffering bearable for us all. Amen.
5: Blessing for the broken hearted by Jan Richardson. There is no remedy for love, but to love more by Henry David Thoreau. Let us agree for now that we will not say the breaking makes us stronger or that it is better to have this pain than to have done without this love. Let us promise we will not tell ourselves, time will heal the wound, when every day our waking opens it anew. Perhaps for now it can be enough to simply marvel at the mystery of how a heart so broken can go on beating, as if it were made for precisely this, as if it knows the only cure for love is more of it, as if it sees the heart's sole remedy for breaking is to love still, as if it trusts that its own persistent pulse is the rhythm of a blessing, we cannot begin to fathom, but will save us nonetheless.
1: At the bodies that once were. And in this, our naming ritual, we will bring the dead close, the bodies that once were, and name them out loud. If you have lost a loved one this past year, you are welcome to come forward to the microphone with Reverend Narif and to speak the name of the one you have lost and your relationship with them. And remember all of the ways we have been shaped by those who are no longer physically here with us. After we name them, we will light a candle in their memory. Let us begin. I invite you to come and share the names of those who have died. I will also be lighting candles for the friends of the church and family and partners. They are Thomas Jackson and Stephen Gersh, and Christopher Arnold, Ada Jeanette Miller, and Beverly Sturza. I will also name the members of this church who died in 2021. Barbara Colvin, John Edelman, K. Johnson, Peter May, and the Reverend John Cummins. We light now the second candle, the candle of memory. We light this candle for those who are gone, those who laughed, wept, lived, loved, worked, and moved among us, those who live on us through memory and story.
4: Will you all join me in just a moment of taking in Just breathe in and out. Taking in all of the names, those that were said aloud, those that were shared in the chat that we were unable to bring into the space fully. Remembering that this space can hold all of the grief and the loss that we bring to it. And that we can hold more when we hold it in community. See? Poet, Naomi Shihab Nye, tells us that kindness is the only thing that's left. That having experienced loss and the love that calls that loss forth, that kindness is the only thing that is left. The awareness of loss and its reality is why we gather in community to share our losses on this Remembrance Sunday. And here's what I'd like you to know about loss. We mark this day, this Remembrance Sunday, because we know that to be human is to know loss. We also know that to be human is to know love. That the loss that we feel is in some direct measure to the love that we had and that love is itself somehow related to our awareness of that loss that is ever-present. We cannot choose one or the other, it is always It is always both. But here is what else I know. That this loving and losing and loving again is what we are made for. We know how to do this. That we know how to love is almost without question. All we need to do is look at the joy in a child's face when they are playing or absorbed in some, in some task. All we need to do is look in the faces of our animal companions when they are looking back at us. All we need to do is reflect on those moments of connection with others where somehow we know in our bones that we have bridged a gap between ourselves and another and there found communion. Our hearts, our spirits know how to love, despite the many ways that our egos might get in the way. We know how to do this. And so, too, do we know how to lose. We may not always be good at it, That's one of the reasons that we gather for this Remembrance Sunday, to remind ourselves that we know how to do this. But I believe that deep down we really do know. We know how to love and equally we know how to lose what we love. We know how to cry even when the tears feel like they will never stop. We know that somehow they do. We know how to breathe when the pain of loss hits so intensely we feel like we might not exist on the other side, and yet somehow we do. Somehow hands and hearts reach out. Somehow love and care finds us. Somehow, some way, we are remade. We are remade into the person who lives without the ones who we have lost, the ones who we have loved. Our bodies know how to do this and we know that it works better, that we can hold and are held when we do this together in community. In a year in which we have lost so much, in a year in which we will most certainly lose more, perhaps we can take some comfort and some courage in this. We know how to do this. We know how to do this dance of loving and losing and loving again. It is the very heart of what makes us human and alive on this earth. Friends, may this knowing and holding in the care of this community be a resting place for us when we need it. May we hold this space of grief and love and care for ourselves and for others when we have it to give. And may we always remember, in the words of the Reverend John Cummins, that there is but one place where time and death have no dominion and that place is love. May it be so, and amen.
1: Beloveds, I can feel the connection amongst all of us. Thank you for creating this web. Thank you for those online who are also connecting through space, and even through time, if you are watching this recording later. Take a moment to look at the candles and take in the spirits of our beloved.
4: We light our third and final candle for that light, which darkness cannot extinguish for that light and those values that are passed on generation to generation that now lives on in us. In the words of Reverend John Cummins, there is but one place where time and death have no dominion. And that place is love. Amen. Our closing words come from the poet Mary Oliver, who writes To live in this world, you must be able to do three things to love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing. Your own life depends on it. And when the time comes to let it go, to let it go, may you go in peace. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a welcoming community that finds strength in the diversity of identities of all who find inspiration and comfort here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text FIRSTUNIV, that's F-I-R-S-T-U-N-I-V, to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.